Hello. Hello. Can you hear me okay? Good sunflowers. Where are they? They're not real, are they? Are they real? No, they're not real. I've had wrong, them. Wrong time of year, isn't it? Wrong time of year, but I've had them. They've been in many an art classroom with me. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for being no. so approachable and agreeing to do this. No, I think it's quite important to. Um, well, I'm really uh, keen on uh, uh, art being taken seriously in primary schools. Yeah. Yeah. Part of why I want to do this and speak to artists and people like you is because I think teachers come under a lot of pressure to teach art in a certain way. And I think it's really important that we get the input of real of artists um, to kind of give teachers that bit of backup to say, look, actually, you don't have to teach art like this and art is different. Well, I understand um, from saying, you know, advocacy things themselves, you know, for myself, it's... Uh, it's tricky, isn't it? If you're if you're a primary school teacher, there's no time on the timetable. But also, maybe art is not your, um, you know, you don't feel confident yeah. as an artist. You know, I mean, I think everybody's an artist, but people are. You know, it's not. It, you know, it's like if I was going to primary school and taught music, I would feel not very confident to do yeah. that. So, so it's that sort of thing, isn't it? It's getting people yeah. to feel. Actually, we know because we're artists, practitioners, that actually it's easy to show people how to do things but if you're i suppose if you're a bit uncertain about it it's very difficult so there are some common threads of um issues that come up when i'm talking to primary school teachers and that's one of the big ones is confidence and so mm. i'll always try and start a training session by tapping into those adults as artists themselves because the primary school teachers like you say they're teaching all the subjects which is just I mean, to be passionate and knowledgeable about all the subjects is such a huge ask. Mm. But like you say, I really believe that inside of us, we all are creative. I know a bit about your parents being artists, but I'd love to hear from you about your experience more around that primary school age, if you can remember, um, of, of, <laughs> of um, art and education and influences. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I went to, uh, you know, an inner city primary school in Wandsworth <laughs> but uh, but yeah and uh, and actually that was the 1960s I think in that era people uh, really believed in um, art in schools art in education because you know because of all of these things it's to do with the kind of ebb and flow of what's going on and what's around and and I think in that period there were lots of you know there was a there, there was the you know the beginning of the comprehensive school system was coming in they there was a sense in the country that really everybody should contribute to society in lots of different yeah. ways and that every kid's voice was important so I had a kind of although it was just a state school it wasn't a style school or anything like that there was a lot of art in the school mm -hmm. and uh, and the art was uh, good and it was kind of <laughs> it was kind of experimental and there were lots of people doing things and thinking about children's art then there was a, a wonderful artist called Don Pavey who wrote a book called Children's Art Games mm. and in that and I think I was the total child for that. You know, I think the teachers were experimenting on us, really. So we were making uh, paintings which were based about chants and we were uh, we were making 
just seeing what paint did with lots of experimental things playing with paint uh, but also making narrative paintings i remember uh, painting a backdrop for a school play and us all painting you know our own parents mm. uh, in this backdrop and so the painting grew out of uh, lots of different ideas about uh, about our own experience yeah so was actually my childhood uh, art experience, particularly in primary school, was very happy. It was very good. It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, it was just a very straight school, you know, mm -hmm. but it was, uh, it was very good and there was art everywhere. People thought art was very important. But I also uh, benefited because my parents, you know, my parents are, uh, well, they're not around anymore, but they were artists and uh, and uh, they made their livings with art mm. so there was no sense in our household at least that art was a hobby or something that's nice to have but perhaps you can't do it you know we were my dad was running Chelsea School of Art you know he he uh, I, I'm I'm thinking about making some paintings about his office actually because mm. he had a telephone in his office my dad he had one of these old-fashioned telephones and it had push buttons on it, it as it was an it was an ancient telephone, but it had push buttons, so you didn't have to dial. Yeah. And the and the the uh, little bits of paper, the the, the apartments that you could push a button were painting, printmaking, sculpture, <laughs> <laughs> design, textiles. So he could, you know, in my imagination, my dad was pressing one of these buttons, saying, "I want to see how the painting is going on." <laughs> Paint's coming on very well, thank you. Okay, I'm going to find textiles now. <laughs> so I thought that. Was that was basically my dad's job. Yeah. I mean, of course, his dad wasn't. His job wasn't really like that. But my imagining of it was that it was like that. And so art was uh, art was very important. Yeah. And uh, and it was a good. And I think that period was. Uh, I think it was uh, probably uh, an exciting time. You know, lots yeah. of developments going on. Lots of there are a lot. And I've got a big collection of them actually. Uh, books on teaching very basic kind of kinds of printmaking and uh and block printing lino cutting all that sort of thing i think there were lots and lots of books like that around yeah i've got a few of those and they're written in a very the, the kind of the, the style of writing of that time i really like it because it's really sort of quite simple and very kind of you know like yeah just simple clear descriptive writing about how to do these art techniques and i've got a few of those well, it's very nice, you know, because it's also that, that they were they they knew that problem that not everybody teaching a child art in a primary school would be a practitioner of art. So I think they were thinking about that, yeah. and also they were thinking about also I think in that era, and I think it has its roots back after the First World War, actually, in the birth of. Uh, children's art education with people like uh, Franz Zizek, you know, who and they were they were thinking, you know, they were thinking that was uh, that was when uh, you know in the early twentieth century that was when Freud and Jung and Steiner and all these people were thinking about the the life of the mind of the human being. Of course, it starts with a child, mm -hmm. and so those developments in art education, people were thinking about that again yeah. in the sixties because they were thinking. You know, they're going to build a new society of all these young children who are going to, you know, go off and be 
the adults of the future and they need to be well-rounded human beings you know and that's part of that side of that a bit in education now and i think with all the kind of pressure that comes from being inspected and looking at levels and and um progress um i think we've really lost that sense of art or we've lost confidence in schools around art being there as something that enriches children and has benefits that aren't necessarily quantifiable and I think lots of teachers have lost confidence around art being that as a subject. A lot of the questions I get asked are quite heartbreaking sometimes because they are around things like how do we, um, how do I assess whether a child is at expected level in art? How do I assess whether a child is above, below or just at expected level in art? And that is just I mean, I'm sure you feel the same as me, that that is, you know, totally... Well, that's carried on. That's, that really came in in the 1980s with Kenneth Baker because he wanted to ditch the arts in the curriculum, basically, yeah. but he was persuaded to keep it if it was, you know, in quotes, rigorous. Yeah. And so all that testing then came in there. But that goes all the way through the educational system. Yeah. I mean, I teach the university postgraduate students and the... There are lots of criteria for the students to meet. It just it that it just means a degree of lateral thinking and also thinking about where that I suppose where that child or uh, you know where that young person is in terms of their own sense of themselves. Yeah, that's what's know. important, isn't it? And I think. You know, of course, at secondary school and, and, you know, at higher education level, you have to have those kinds of guidelines in a way. But what I try and really promote is that the primary school, if nowhere else, is a space where actually we don't need to be, you know, there are no national levels for art at primary school. So we don't need to have that sense of uh, meeting. I think one thing that's useful to say there is that in my, I knew about art because my parents, but actually in the school mm. there were lots of examples there were there, there there were interesting bits of art around but it wasn't uh, it wasn't that these artworks were exemplars that's quite an interesting thing mm -hmm. there was no images there was no sense that you you know had to make a work of art inspired by another more right, yeah. you know, historic artist so and i think that that's a bit of a problem although i think it's quite you know it's quite a fun thing to do but it, it you you then have to think about marking somebody's work as whether it's closer <laughs> to a good example of yeah. something else whereas i think all the work that we made at primary school was judged as being interesting if it was judged in a quantitative way at all yeah. but it was judged on that it was revealing of our own intelligence and our own life experience and and our own you know uh remembering of going to a bonfire party or yeah. going to a or going to the zoo or something what we saw yeah was so not necessarily problems. about your the skills in drawing or the skills in painting well, i think it yeah i think it was i think it was a, a little bit about it was a little bit about that but it wasn't about making it close to some sort of example you know? yeah 
what do you um, think in terms of like um, selecting art for students to look at? How do you how do you go about it? Because obviously there's the canon of kind of, you know, your Van Goghs and your Picassos who are great, but, you know, it's, it's trying to give the people you teach a broad, really broad kind of exposure, like you're saying, to different cultures, folk art, contemporary art. How do you go about selecting what kind of art you're talking about or looking at? Well, I, I, I sort of, I would sort of try and not go down that road too far. I think it's important to think about kids' experiences and mm. what do they remember of things. And so I suppose you could have any kind of art that it didn't need to be contemporary art at all, but which was, you know, a, you know, about or descriptive or narrative or in terms uh, an illustration and kids books illustration, you know, anything that's kind of storytelling, I imagine is quite useful because then you can think about a remembered experience of the child. So the child can think, ah, oh, uh, yeah, I remember last week when we went to see auntie and then this is somebody painting, you know, uh, somebody in chunky jewelry or something, do you yeah. know what I mean? And, and uh and then to think oh what were they wearing you know what were they i would think more in that line because i was slightly i mean i, I i'm slightly I, i'm not saying don't bring in art <laughs> that'd be the wrong thing to say i think it's great to you know have examples of bob yeah. and roberta smith everywhere <laughs> oh, actually, <laughs> definitely put them on your uh, <laughs> i think that more of those everywhere yeah. <laughs> but i do think uh but I sort of, I mean, I remember once my uh, my son came home from school and he had made a Van Gogh self-portrait. <laughs> and it's a great image. It's really lovely painting, actually. And he really spent time looking at it and seeing how it was made. But I said to him, were all the class doing that? And he said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can imagine them all doing that. And you think, that's not really how Van Gogh did it. You know, he was actually painting himself. So to, to emulate Van Gogh in that situation, you need to have a mirror. Yeah, as artists, we're more <laughs> able to work conceptually. And I think like we started by saying, I think it's a confidence thing. And if you're not someone who feels confident or thinks yeah. of yourself as being arty, then thinking conceptually like that is, is a jump, isn't it? It is, but I think there are ways, there are good ways around that. I think it's great to have, things which uh, can relate, not so much in terms of like being like that artwork, but like things which are just, you know, something that the teacher considers really beautiful. Yeah. Or something, or something that the teacher considers really colorful, mm. or uh, so that there's that kind of investment by the person in the room. Mm. Or something, one of the really powerful things for me when I was at primary school, when I was at primary school is that we had a teacher from uh, Trinidad. So she had, uh, you know, all of her stuff uh, was all about Trinidad in yeah. this room. And we went, you know, we were all studying there and she was telling us about Trinidad and the history of it and the culture of Trinidad and the food and eating yams and all this sort of stuff. And it was like, well, cause she had a personal investment in it. It was really powerful and it's it really stable. Mm. It, it brings things alive it makes things have a, a sort of higher more vibrant energy when there's personal 
invest yeah. in. but I, and yeah, I also think like you know I absolutely agree that children should use their own memories personal experiences in their artwork because as artists that's what we do so also I think another thing that is a, a good thing to have is is things in other in other mediums so I think music is incredibly important you know the, the idea that okay we're going to make a painting you know we're going to do something about color but we're going to listen to i don't know a bit of ravel or something or 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 debussy or or some or or contemporary something which is which makes you think about color and modal you know you got to it's got to make sense you know it can't just be music is good we'll just play this uh but if the teacher has some sense of that, I think poetry is really important because poetry uh, sums up images, and then the, but the images for uh, the images that any ten people might have in reading a single poem are many and various. Yeah. So that sort of that kind of thing where you can have lots of different interpretations. I think that's quite important. Yeah, multiplicity of interpretations. Yeah. And, you know, thinking about the purpose of education and so the purpose of art education um, to, yes, create little beings that go on to contribute to the society globally and locally, but also about helping those children to feel valued and valid as human beings. And I think when you can, yeah, you can use the example of, you know, your aunt, you're visiting your auntie and that suddenly becomes something that everyone is interested in and everyone appreciates. That's so validating and good for your kind of confidence and all those other kinds of, um, you know, qualities that we want children to grow up having. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a key thing. I think remembering things and and children's own particular experience mm. is really good. And I think that's very helpful for, uh, you know, getting the cogs going in the, yeah. young, in the young mind, you know, thinking about this, because if you're thinking about some remembered experience, you're also thinking about a narrative and that's a, that mm. could be expressed as a poem or a piece of creative writing, it could be a piece of music. It could be a, it could be a, a, a painting or a drawing. You know, it, it, that remembered experience is so important. Mm -hmm. you know, that's about looking as well. It's about looking yeah. and seeing. Yeah. Um, what do you, so a lot of um, what I advocate is really um, appreciating the quality of a good art education at primary level for um, helping well-being and just that kind of, like I suppose we sort of touched on it and validating personal experience and memories but um, for you personally as an artist and practitioner do you see that there is a connection between being creative obviously you're a musician as well so being creative and your sense of who you are in this world your sense of well-being maybe even mental health that sort of well the great thing I mean talking about this in the lockdown hopefully this mm it's on youtube or something it'll have yeah. a life beyond this weird time that we're in yeah. but the, there's going to be i mean I, I i think there's going to be very few artists who are having problems in this time yeah. <laughs> because, because we know what we're doing actually in a weird way we're all if you're if you're the kind of artist which i am which i am quite a solitary being and i work a lot in the studio uh painting away listening to music and the radio 
um, it's not really a collaborative activity. So I'm kind of totally okay. <laughs> In fact, no distractions, really and, good. And so, I know this sounds really sort of annoying and smug, but I, I just don't get bored. I just can always come up with no. a little something and I get totally engrossed. No, and I think that's true. I mean, I think, I think, and I think the, so you're set up, you know, that, that's the thing, actually, if you're an artist, you've always got a, it's not, it's not unique to artists, actually, this, I think it's also probably shared by all sorts of people. I mean, I think probably, you know, business people or, or scientists have this same sense of having a bit of a mission that you're involved in. You're not, working for anybody else really you're working to try and push on some ideas which you know at some stage and and sometimes the lockdown you know the lockdown is a metaphor for the door of the studio or the next time you have an exhibition or or getting something out there or yeah. or reveal or writing a paper and having your experiments uh read by your colleagues and them saying that's okay you know that's interesting what you're doing so i think that that sense of being able to beaver away on something you know uh, uh and um is good i mean if it goes on forever then you're kind of stuck because you're trying to you, in the end you want to uh, flower like a butterfly yeah. and to show your things to people right. so that is amazing. and of course there are lots of people and lots of kinds of art like theatre and mm. dance and all that stuff which are more stymied than uh for the practitioner yeah than, uh, than visual art but uh, uh but but certainly in terms of well-being i think it's it it does it does have an effect i'm not completely uh, i'm not completely convinced all the time that it helps mental health it can in increase anguish if i'm honest i mean there, there are moments where you can't get something right or you realize that you need somebody else to help you or you need and then you you're you're you are confronted with your own inadequacies as well yeah. as an artist yeah that, that can be that can be challenging so it's, it's not that it's resilient doesn't it that's why as well as, as well as like you say artists or, and and lots of other people being able to draw on like inner resources and just kind of get on with things on their own it does make you really resilient because when you're yeah sort of struggling through with an idea or a piece of work and it looks a bit poo and you're kind of having to be yourself up a bit that's you know it's building resilience which is really good it's building resilience yes yeah. it, does, it does make you resilient yeah yeah it does make you do you ever, have you ever had a period of time when you weren't making art, you know, or making music where you just kind of, for whatever reason, life got busy or the inspiration dried up or? Uh, I've done other kinds of jobs uh, to earn money, but I've okay. always been a visual artist. I mean, I've always, that's been at the core of my being since I was probably you know three years old <laughs> that's quite weird that isn't it but it's uh but uh so uh no there's never been a period actually i've always had paintings and things on the go creative things on the go it's yeah. always about trying to it still is about carving enough time to yeah to devote to making things but 
No, I've never had a period where I've thought of myself as something else other than an artist, really. I know yeah. that makes me a bit weird. <laughs> no, it's great. But actually, similarly, um, Olivia, who I did my first chat with, she grew up, her mum's an art teacher and an artist, so she grew up, and I think, I think that must have a lot to do with it if you grow up with art not being something that's separate to you as a person, then it makes sense that, you know, it would feel like... I think when I was a little kid, when I was at primary school, I was obsessed with uh, uh, being... Well, when I was a little kid, I was obsessed with being a train driver, <laughs> and then I wanted to be a vet. Yeah, same! <laughs> but, yeah. But, but that manifested itself... Uh, not in an interest in science or in engineering, but in lots of drawings of trains and sheep. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> people looked at me and went, you know, you're an artist. <laughs> We're just interested. Just in in drawing lots of things. <laughs> yeah, drawing lots of things. Yeah. Yeah, so kind of, it was a bit like that. <laughs> yeah. Do you... Um, so obviously I, I know you most for your slow, is it is slow, would you call it slogan based artwork or word art or what, what label do you like for it? I like to think of them as very, very, very short poems. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are slogans. I don't, I don't get angry with the idea of slogan. I, I suppose the slogan is always a political thing and then some yeah. of my things are not political things. So I, I slightly, but yeah, they are they are slogans. But I like to think of them as very short poems or yeah. sentences. And then there's, there's, more, there's more beauty in them than in slogans. I think I love the one about what your mother said about the pencil. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that was that's behind me actually. That's the uh, yeah, the secret to a good life, uh, which was. Uh, get a good pencil, a 2B or a 3B, not an HB, because they're for architects. <laughs> <laughs> My son is uh, studying architecture at the moment, so uh, he, he really likes a, a, a really arid, hard pencil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and are both your children, have you got a son and a daughter, is that right? Yeah, my daughter. My daughter is an artist. She, uh, but she's uh, well. She makes her own uh, art with its own thing going. But she designs uh, book jackets for Penguin, oh, so she's a graphic designer. Mm. Yeah, Etta. So Etta, Etta's doing graphic design. Yeah. And she, I mean, what's amazing about her, which is totally fantastic, is that she's the evidence. She's kind of evidence of the creative industries, really, and the power of that. That you know, if you hadn't if she hadn't done art at school and gone to art school, she wouldn't have the job that she has now. And she's earning yeah. a really good wage mm -hmm. designing book jackets. So she actually has an employed job as an artist. You know, she's not a self-employed person trying to yeah. flog her wares. She's just employed as an artist. Brilliant. And that would probably be true of my son as well, if he yeah. and graduates as an architect. Yeah. So it's interesting that, the design, art and design thing, I'm really keen on that because there are there are jobs there, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And that's so, you know, I think that's a good uh, art provision in school should expose children to the fact that, yes, you could, you know, art and creativity is there for you to express yourself, but also industry is there and it's very, very possible for you to go out and get a job doing something that you love and that is creative and artistic and... Yeah, particularly in, 
like uh, my son, uh, he shares a flat with a boy who's doing animation. Mm -hmm. And there, so my son is doing lots of computer aided animation for his architecture course, but the his friend Sam is making all these drawings for uh, for his animation course. And you know, when he graduates, he'll work mm -hmm. in animation. So there are there are jobs there. Uh, and and Britain, you know, we're is part of the a growing economy. Absolutely, yeah. It's not it's not that there's millions of jobs for, you know, if you want to be a fine artist, I think that that's always going to be a struggle, you know, yeah. to, to be the kind of artist like I am. That is a bit of a battle because you have to you have to persuade people that your work is of uh, value and it that means showing in exhibitions and mm -hmm. Uh, and that, you know, that that it. There's no getting around that. That is a bit of a struggle. And How do you um, do? You ever find yourself as a fine artist, kind of making art geared towards what you think will work or be received well, versus just doing what is in your heart and what you feel like doing? You 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 have to do. Um, you have to do what you think. Uh, which the thing that you want to make really you have to follow your nose because in yeah. the end uh people think of artists as uh uh i don't know they think about artists as uh people who are you know living their own creative lives and actually they like uh difficulty and difference at some point yeah and not not always not everyone but at a, at a sort of serious level you have to be able to prepared to take risks mm. and to take those risks it means you have to be able to do that and uh, you know I'm fortunate now that I can do that but there were, for a long period it's very difficult so I've done lots of other jobs yeah. in my life to sort of support my activity as an artist from mm -hmm. I don't know all sorts of things from care work to van driving to and I, and I still teach in the university I like teaching yeah uh, so, that kind of cross fertilization i think if you want to be i mean not so much with primary children but i think if you want to be an artist the the key to it is having you know lots of uh, like di uh, diversity in your yeah project so yeah. i you know i teach a little bit i sell work i was just on the phone to my gallery in switzerland about some works that they want to take but then i i'm also doing public art projects as well so those three sources of income keep yeah. going and teaching i always find is quite grounding because like you say artists can tend to be quite solitary creatures and you know all in their yeah. own head and, and being around other people and teaching and coming out of that bubble is quite it's quite helpful well what i found with it as well as uh as i've got older is that it is amazing to have the uh possibility to talk to a load of people in their twenties about what they're interested in, whereas if you if I wasn't teaching, that just wouldn't be possible. I'd just yeah. talk to my children. So it's actually very nice to be able to do that and to uh, to you know show them how things are done or what you know what ideas are out there that they could be thinking about, responding yeah. to. I, I really love that. It's and it's fantastic to listen to uh i like i think listening is like looking you know as mm -hmm. artists we're all about looking and looking at the world and 
and seeing it but listening is also looking you know it's mm -hmm. like hmm, okay I, am, I see where you're coming from I didn't yeah. understand that before but I do now so that's very important yeah definitely I think yeah de definitely as you get older I think there's you know the tendency with some people to kind of go oh no this is the way I've always done it and this is the way I like to do things but there's so much to be learned from younger people just in general I'm lucky I've got a sister who's 23 so she's a millennial and she just keeps me kind of plugged into <laughs> to that world a bit and what's cool and what's you know. <laughs> um yeah but teaching teaching i mean i think also a lot of the uh you know the great artists that i really admire they've all been uh they've all been a pedagogical kinds <laughs> of artists if you like like uh paul clay yeah. and uh, uh, louise bourgeois used yeah. to hold big sessions in her studio where people would come and show her their art and uh, so envious of anyone who got to go to a lesson with Louise Bourgeois. I mean, she's just so, so entertaining, so brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think that idea about sharing ideas or thinking about or thinking about things or just looking at somebody else's work, learning to look at other work, I think is quite an important thing to do. Yeah, and actually, in terms of when I get asked a lot from teachers about, oh, you know, how do you assess art, and I don't know how to grade this. One of the biggest most useful forms of assessment in art is peer feedback and just discussions and just standing around and looking at each other's work and talking about it um, yeah yeah that's really that's really good i think that's a great idea yeah just that just that uh, like tutorial seminar yeah doesn't need to be like that that, that kind of language just sitting around talking about it is good yeah, I like using that language with primary school kids. They love it. I, you know, using sort of like grown-up art terms. I'm, I've never been a kind of like baby things down kind of teacher. You well, know, it's nice that when you have uh, it gives a, um, you know, like a, like in a university setting with first year. It doesn't happen after first year that much, but in a first year situation, I still teach first years where we have a three-hour session. I introduce something, and we get all the you know paints out or materials out and then they respond to it and then we then we look at all the work at the end that's yeah. always fantastic mm. you know that's always fantastic yeah okay <laughs> and is there anything um that you would say to teachers who like we started with actually who don't feel artistic or creative themselves but are finding themselves having to teach or even in a lot of cases lead on art as a subject in primary schools um, is there anything you would say to them that might be empowering or help them to kind of drop the worry about it? You know, I think I take, I think one thing about art is uh, very simple to teach, uh, and which is very like very basic and old fashioned. But there's uh, you know uh, there's the the formal things, <laughs> which yeah. is like what it is, all the materials, the color, the shapes. Uh, and then there's the uh, and then there's the more narrative and uh, conceptual side of things, which might be you know what it is. And mm. I think once you once you understand that there's the material, and then there's the storytelling and narrative aspect of it, it becomes simpler to do because then you can you can look at one side of things like that is is that your auntie or is that your uh, uh, your grandfather. Uh, or is that you know a happy time that you 
experienced mm -hmm. and so you can think about those things but then you can also then think about the formal things like the color and the shapes and the line and actually it's nice i mean i do very simple things even with our 21 22 year olds where we just where we just paint sheets of paper color mm. and then throw them on the floor and, uh, and get them all to arrange them in different uh, formations and you get these great abstract relationships of color mm. and then people you know can do different things with that and i uh, and and the cut and then you sort of begin to learn about color and the color wheel and opposite colors and secondary yeah. colors and all that but uh, actually it's it's just very sensual you know you're mm. just looking at the color mm. and that's a lovely thing to do and i think it i think that, i think the thing to do is to just uh i think if you're a bit if you don't know a lot about it there are you know there are lots of uh there are lots of great examples of art which mm. you can look at and think about just tease it apart in those two ways yeah you know, what is it of and what is it made of if yeah. you think about it in those two ways you'll get somewhere yeah. and then the other thing to say is i'm a patron of it is the nsead you know the yeah. The uh, you should uh, yeah have a look at that their websites or or subscribe and become a member of that yeah. and uh, they have lots of lovely projects and examples of things that you could do. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I think we've kind of we've 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 covered all of the things that I wanted to to talk to you about really quite quickly. <laughs> My eyes are just wandering around to your background now because I can have a good look at your page. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got all sorts of things over here. Yeah, I, I, I did stick them behind here slightly on purpose. Yeah, good. So, good. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I have a studio in Ramsgate, uh, but I can't get there at the moment. Oh. So I'm just working. Uh, I've got a little studio, which is more of a shed, really, in my yeah. uh, in my garden. Yeah. But it's a miserable wet day today, so it's I'm just in the top bit. of the house. Uh, yeah, and I've got yeah, I've got teachings beautiful over there. Oh, that's a nice one. And then one says, uh, draw hope there. Art is your human right. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you want the world to change after this? Wow. Powerful. And uh, uh, make a pink on pink painting. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then over here we've got, uh, we've got to tap into the uh, life force, not the virus force. Write poetry, mm -hmm. music, dances, make art. Absolutely. <laughs> and at the top, this is a bit of a funny one. But it's a nice, I think it's a nice one. It says, devise a symmetrical set stencil based on the shape of your friend's noses. <laughs> and then, so it's a kind of slightly mad. But if you do that, actually, you get amazing triangular shape. Yeah. And uh, you get a fun... Uh, yeah. <laughs> and noses, notoriously difficult to draw. I don't know if you've ever tried to teach pro uh, 30 primary school children how to draw a nose, but you get some interesting um, oh. outcomes. Oh. <laughs> uh, just need to follow <coughs> follow this dictum here. <laughs> yeah, I like a guy. I like a nose. I think it's a good uh, metaphor. <laughs> it's a funny. <laughs> so, yeah, what funny are you enough. working on at the minute? Have you got a particular sort of project or exhibition or anything that you're working towards? Yes, I'm. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm actually, I'm working on the. Uh, you see this? I don't know. It might not do very well with the reflection of the light, 
but I can. Oh yeah. Anyway. Wow, that's different. Yeah, yeah, it hasn't got any text in it. Yeah. Love yeah, it's a. That's a bit of a mad painting, but basically it's the pink moon from the other day. Mm. There was this kind of pink moon, and uh, I'm doing a project where I'm talking to people who live on the Thamesmead estate in uh, in uh, out there in uh, it's near Abbey Wood. Yeah, and uh, and I'm interviewing them about their lives on the estate, but I can't get there mm. now. And so we're going to put, we're going to do some of these interviews like we're doing now on Zoom. But in the interim, while that's getting sorted out, I thought I'd make some paintings. I took a sketchbook down there the last time I went and yeah. I drew lots of the different places uh, on this side. It's an amazing kind of 1960s uh, concrete housing estate, but it's quite futuristic looking. Right, yeah. And I thought I'd paint the... Uh, I thought I'd paint the pink moon over Thamesmead. I thought that'd be a poetic yeah, image. Lovely. Yeah, I think, you know, oh. this lockdown situation is, 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 it's really conducive to coming up with new ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been doing lots of, uh, lots of music and, uh, and trying to get, I mean, it's very simple and rudimentary, but garage band on these computers is just an amazing yeah. tool. I realised it was even there. <laughs> so I've been using that. Oh, that's good. And so you used to teach at Earlsfield Secondary School, did you? I trained as a secondary school teacher and then I taught primary and secondary art for about 20 years and taught at Earlsfield three days a week for a couple of years, which was lovely. And I love, like you say, I love teaching and I, the only reason I stopped teaching is because the need for kind of consultancy in primary schools was was taking over and now I focus on on things like this and going into schools and supporting primary school teachers with teaching art. It's gone in different ways over the years isn't it because they've had I've got a friend who's an amazing guy who goes in and does uh, like kind of en art engineering projects with kids in schools mm. and makes these kind of automatons and things. Oh wow. And, uh, he's had a uh, he's had up until all this he had quite a good time yeah it's, he's really been you know he he was telling me that there's there's been a bit of a shift yeah but i suppose that thing about getting it's okay getting somebody in isn't it mm. but you need really to have the the teachers to yeah the confidence that they can do it as well yeah. then you've then you're then you've got two prongs in your yeah and I think, you know, I would say this and I would think this, but I think there's a benefit to just generally increasing, injecting that kind of creative spirit and that kind of, um, yeah, more experimental approach to schools anyway. I think schools need some small, even if it's just the art lessons, some area where that happens within the kind of very rulesy environment of a primary school. Um, so I think it needs to come from within and and having artists in. But yeah, thing to say also about children and art is that they, uh, you know, like I mean, it's an age old. Maybe it's a bit of a cliche, but they do see the world in a very mm -hmm. unique and interesting way, which adults don't. And in two ways, actually, my kids really inspired me <laughs> when I when they were little. One was my son was making a drawing. And uh, 
um, to do it for you now. It's like, uh, yeah, it's like this. I'll show you this. This cut the the logic of the drawing was brilliant. Hold on. Yeah, so his drawing was this. So he was doing this. You can see this, but yeah. he was doing. So he was drawing a loop, and then running the line through the loop. Mm. And he was about four. It's like classic uh, Paul Clay taking the line for a walk sort of stuff. And I said, wow, what are you doing, Fergal? And he said, oh, it's a loop drawing, Dad. I draw a loop and then I run the line through the loop. Mm. And I went, wow, that's amazing. That's like an algorithm, a pattern, <laughs> yeah. a recipe. You know, <laughs> I can see how that would be really like mesmerizing, is that repetitive yeah. action. <laughs> and that, that, I found that really amazing. And then my daughter has always been brilliant with words. And I made a painting which I sold to uh, Southampton Art Gallery. Yeah. But she was learning the months of the year. And she was just going winter, then autumn, then winter again, then autumn, then winter again. <laughs> and I said to her, what, what's, where's spring and summer, darling? And she was going, no, no, it's winter, then autumn, then winter again. And I made this painting, which was winter, then autumn, then winter again, oh. and, uh, which is a slightly pessimistic view of the seasons. But uh, in, in Britain, sometimes it can be a bit like that. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I sold it to South, Southampton Art Gallery. And my daughter still came, but I, I want half the money for that. Yeah, That's I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm not surprised well, at all. Just that, <laughs> you know, just that, you know, we see it's playfulness, whether it is yeah. or not, I don't know. But it's, it's a real beauty. It's language. pure, yeah, pure beauty. Yeah, it's very pure from the heart, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, that's great because as an artist, you do want to try and get back to that space somehow. Mm. It's and I think cool. this, you know, this lockdown time is kind of I feel like it's giving some of that back I definitely feel more creative because I've got more time and space um and I I'm a meditator so I meditate twice a day at my best and at my worst it gets dropped completely so of course at the minute I'm meditating a lot more and I'm feeling just this yeah real kind of slowing down and noticing details and spaciousness around things which isn't there in normal kind of rushing life um yeah thank you so much for being oh. so approachable thank you so much thank take you. care good luck well bye. Done. take care emily nice to meet you you too bye, bye.